cybersecurity now gets an immense amount of attention. It hasn't always been this way, but there were people who were thinking about this 20 or even 30 years ago. I'm Jim Lewis, Senior Vice President and Director of the Technology Policy Program here at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. This podcast, Cyber from the Start, goes to the roots of cybersecurity. It looks at how we develop the policies we have for critical infrastructure, surveillance, espionage, warfare, and privacy. Looking at this and talking to the people who helped lay the foundations will help us see where we started and how we ended up where we are today. Today's episode is with General Keith Alexander, the first commander of Cyber Command and one of the longest serving NSA directors, someone who helped move the agency into the world of cyberspace and who thought hard about how the U.S. would compete and fight in this new domain for warfare. I thought to myself, there's so little information about how this thing kind of started because you know, now everybody and their dog does cybersecurity. That wasn't true 10 years ago or before then. So I thought, why don't I go around and talk to the people who actually laid the foundations and pointed us in whichever direction we're going. So in March of, of I think it was about 2007, Admiral Mike Mullen, then the CNO of the Navy, asked me to come down about an issue uh, about China subs uh, impacting fleet operations. Mm-hmm. And he was looking to see why NSA couldn't provide better intel. And my comment, what you're looking for is not from signals intelligence, it's in other areas. And I uh, hmm. explained to him that this would be a, an area that the Navy should be heavily invested in. And he said, what would it take? And I said, about 1,000 people from the Navy to, mm-hmm. to start building up a cyber force. Uh, and he, he had in the room, I think, then Admiral Pat Walsh, who I think was either the vice CNO, Gary Roughhead, who was the head of PAC Fleet, yeah. and one other. He was, he was in on that. He said, yep, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So he became chairman six months later. Mullen. Mullen. Okay, yeah. Yeah, replaced Peter Pace. Then in 2008, October 24th, 1630, actually about 10 days prior to that, we detected issues on a classified network. And we went down and asked to get our team in to see the network. And at Mm -hmm. that time, NSA had to be invited in. They couldn't just walk into a Hmm. classified network. It's just ironic, but the truth. And our team got in this there. This was with DISA? This was actually uh, OSD. Oh, okay. And what had happened is we found some beacons in, in their network, which they couldn't find, but we did, about 1,500. At 1630 that day, the team, led by Dick Schaefer, came up to my office oh. and said, we've got a problem. We found all this malware. We believe it to be Russian, later revealed by Bill Lynn. Mm-hmm. And we found the beacons. Uh, I turned around and called Secretary Gates and I called Admiral Mike Mullen. And then the five guys that were with Dick Schaefer, Dick Schaefer and four others, sat down at a table, not a little bit bigger than this, but in my office there. Uh, after I called them, I said, okay, we found the problem. What are we gonna do to help fix it? And they had some ideas to build a system and put it all together. It was a great idea. They built the system with the encryption and decryption, all the capabilities, in 22 hours and had it up on the SIPRNet and it solved the problem that next day, Saturday, 
Mm -hmm. So about 14.30, that system went active. Um, that solved the problem. On Monday morning, um, the services, who were at that time not really cyber smart, uh, were more, and STRATCOM was more in line to count the number of systems that you have. My comment was this virtual attack, not physical. Everything you had Friday, you have Monday. Uh, but they wanted to count systems, and it was, you know, I just said that's not the way to go, you know, but uh, they prevailed and they went and counted systems. Now, you know, I, I joke a lot because imagine an army officer counting to seven million every day. And then you have stuff coming in, stuff going out. That's not the issue. Interestingly, Secretary Gates saw, and Admiral Mullen saw what we were doing, NSA was able to do. And at that time I had the command of Joint Functional Component Command Net Warfare. So I ran the offense. And Secretary Gates called up and said, look, we want you to stay there longer, forever, uh, but longer. Uh, and they had already extended me once, they wanted to extend me again, so I'm into my fourth year, and now he wanted to go to fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Um, and he said, and I want to create a command mm -hmm. and get you promoted to do that. And on 11... You were, you were a three-star at that point. I was a three-star. Yeah. Uh, and on 11 November 2009, eight, uh, 11 November 2008, he wrote a memorandum that chopped the defense to me. Mm -hmm. So JTFGNO fell under my operational control, and now I had essentially Cyber Command stood up mm -hmm. underneath with those two elements. In January, he pushed uh, with President Bush and then President Obama to stand up Cyber Command. And they agreed, and we went forward, and I was nominated that spring, um, and then went through the nomination process. And, you know, it's kind of interesting watching the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, Congress has broken this area for getting people confirmed, and you went back and forth, but I got confirmed a year later. I was still in the job. I mean, I, right. you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like I'm, they're confirming me for yet another position, so it's kind of ironic. <laughs> uh, but it did um, slow down the promotion for about a year, because I was on the same list as Stan McChrystal. So that finally got worked up. The key issue, though, that if I were to credit it is and I would add in Admiral Mike McConnell, who was the DNI, was also an advocate for a lot of this. Right. He saw the value of standing it up. He saw the value of having NSA and Cyber Command joint. Uh, and he, like Admiral Mike Mullen, were, were huge advocates for this. So they helped push it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think great credit on that. Do you think joint is still the way to go? I do. And here's the reason. You know, when you look at um, you can't have two people operate. It's not like I operate the defense and you operate the offense. It, they actually use the same technical infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, people argue about this, but it's the right thing for the country. NSA is the nation's best cyber signals intelligence operator. It used to be when I ran uh, the 204th MI battalion, we were an HFDF intercept Mm -hmm. uh, battalion. But in, in 1991, all the HF was going away. And so we were out on an exercise and we got like one intercept for 400 people. And it just told us what we already knew. And I said, so we're 400 people. General Saint is not going to want a battalion that tells him the same thing. And so why are we not getting the intel mm -hmm. that we should? One of the warrants stood up and said, well, because they all went to satellite. I said, so why don't we go to satellite? And one of the guys said, well, on our, our thing it says HFDF, SIGINT Battalion. So I went up and crossed off HFDF and said, okay, now we're a SIGINT Battalion. Let's go get them. 
and we did. Now it caused angst in the system, but mm -hmm. Admiral Mike McConnell was the NSA director at the time. He came out to visit us, ironically, and he mm -hmm. agreed with the way we were going, and so did Crosby Saint, uh, mm -hmm. the uh, USER commander. Well, if you think about cyber now, it's a very similar thing. Comms, NSA is not intercepting as much communications, it's all over the net. So where they're operating and where cyber is operating is the key. If you don't have unity of command, you're gonna have, uh, I think, a lot of problems. And more importantly, uh, NSA has all the technical prowess and the long term, while the services are bringing in uh, yeah. troops that come in and go out. So I think, I absolutely think it's the right way to go. I think we would, I told President Obama when he was considering splitting them, mm -hmm. if we split them and have a national crisis, we're gonna put them back together. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to learn this lesson, we already know the answer. And he agreed, and actually, I was one of the two people who told him to keep them together, but he agreed with us for just that reason. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it's not a political. This isn't political, it's about doing what's right for the country. Everybody would like to have their own thing, but the nation needs one group working this problem. I think we're gonna be challenged in cyberspace, and I believe that Cyber Command by itself is not as strong, and NSA by itself is not as strong. But when you put them together, you have the world's best capability, and that's what we need. Who, who do you think is going to challenge us first? I and mean, we're already, how we're much already are we already challenged. under challenge. So yeah. we have yeah. we have several challenges going on concurrently. The most concerning, from my perspective, and the hardest to uh, define, is Iran. Mm -hmm. They're hammering the Middle East, our allies, and we need to get that set straight because back that up with terrorism and military actions by Iran against the Gulf states, we have a real crisis. We can't afford to let that break up. Mm -hmm. If you look back, the Bahrain military hospital was attacked by Iran and it shut it down for a couple of days. They couldn't even bring in patients. Yeah. This is going on all the time. Yeah. So we need to work with our allies. We need to get beyond the political issues and say, what do we do to stabilize this portion of the world? That's happening right now. You would know that in 2012, they attacked Saudi Aramco and then the U.S. financial sector. Right. If they did that with offensive, destructive things, this would be a huge disaster for us in the, in the world. So I'm worried about Iran because mm -hmm. I don't think they uh, can really quantify the impact of their attacks. And I think that will be miscalculated. So you mean they'll miscalculate? Yeah, yeah. it'll be miscalculated and they will go beyond. Mm -hmm. Russia. Um, it's an economic issue. How do you build their economy? Mm -hmm. And how does uh, President Putin get the respect from his countrymen and stay on top? He's got a huge approval rating, but if that were to dip and the economy to mm -hmm. dip, he's gonna go into Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. Already there with uh, Crimea, what about Eastern Ukraine? What about the Gulf states? What about some others? You know, that's how major wars get started, people go over. So I think we're seeing the attacks there uh, with Russia attacking the Ukraine and others, trying to mm -hmm. impact elections here and abroad, and China. China is using cyber to fuel their economy by stealing intellectual property. I've called that the biggest transfer of wealth in history. Mm -hmm. I think that continues. All three of them have a common set of issues that we can solve, and that is to defend in cyberspace. 
we're not defended. We don't defend the way we should. What do you think of persistent engagement? I, well, I think there's, before you get to persistent engagement, yeah. think about this. If every farmer in 1776 had to defend himself against the British Army, we'd still be a British colony. So we put together mm -hmm. a constitution that has in it for the common defense. So why in cyberspace does every company defend itself? Mm -hmm. Because we don't have the wherewithal to, for collective defense. The political wherewithal. Both the political and the technical. So we've oh. got to push that. Mm -hmm. And if you did that and you could show people what the attacks are going against companies mm -hmm. and share that with the government, we could start to solve those three sets of issues from Iran, Russia, and China that I talked about and have a defensible architecture. So we need to do that first. If you did that, then you can go to your second thing. What about persistent engagement? Then if China continues to try to steal, you can push back diplomatically, politically, economically, and with all your elements of national power in the military realm. And we could and should do that. But we don't have the ability. By the time we find out, it's like the Sony attack. Yeah. They get attacked. They get wiped out, then we come in and tell them you got attacked. Well, they already know they got attacked. We say you got wiped out. We already know we got wiped out. You're going to lose your job. We already know we're going to lose our job. How did the government help? Well, we didn't see it. We can't help. So we've got to make mm -hmm. it visible. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's what our company is trying to do is build that up, make it visible, and get into the common collective defense. I think persistent engagement is less important than collective real-time defense. Because if you can do that, you can wipe out all the rest. Make this hard. It's too easy today. And interestingly, you know, our success rate on the offense was high. Really high. Really, really, really high. And when you think about their offense is just about as good. Yeah. That's, so that means any company's at risk, even those that spend hundreds of millions of dollars. I would, you know, if I were on the offense and they were a target, we're good. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose. Right. And so the thing that would be the, the break-even for them is if they're being attacked persistently by a threat, having the government intervene and go after that guy and stop it, that's the way to do it. We don't do that today. This might be uh, red meat to a tiger, but um, where does DHS fit into all this? Well, we actually created the bubble chart, and mm -hmm. you're probably familiar with it, which yeah. is the roles and responsibility. Everybody has their roles and responsibility. Mm -hmm including DHS. Um, DHS has no attack force, mm -hmm. right? So that's defense. So actually, Bob Mueller, Secretary Gates, and Secretary Napolitano and I sat down and crafted these roles and responsibilities. M Mueller when he was FBI. Yeah, and we laid those out. So the FBI does the criminal stuff in the mm -hmm. U.S. DHS sets standards with NIST. We mm -hmm. help on that, but they set the standards, and they're the public face for working with industry. Mm -hmm. But DOD, and in that case NSA and Cyber Command, are responsible for defending the nation in cyber. Mm -hmm. And the only way they can do it is if they can see it. So we have pushed in all the legislation and everything that's going on is to make sure those parts of government all see it at the same time at network speed mm -hmm. so they can do something about it. DHS is not the one who's going to defend an attack. That's going to be DOD. But what we want DHS to do is, let's say an mm -hmm. attack occurs, um, like Hurricane Katrina, right. DHS and their elements would go help build industry back up quickly, mm -hmm. while DOD focuses on going after the bad guys. 
And so that's what we really want to do is a shared set of responsibilities between DHS, DOD, and, and others. What gets confused is people say, well, I'm in charge of cyber. And if you read the roles and responsibilities, which was actually given to the, the president's commission, mm -hmm. the Obama administration gave us the bubble chart that we created and said, here's the roles, yeah. which is still today. Yeah. And you read it. What people confuse is protect for DHS is not offensive operations. It's protect by setting standards and ensuring people go to those standards. And I would add to that and ensuring that they have some kind of collective defense that can be shared with the government so we can see attacks and do something. So imagine if we had uh, aircraft flying around with no radar system and we have all these collisions going on <laughs> in airspace. Uh, we would probably solve that problem by having radars look at airplanes and sharing that seamlessly not with emails but technically at network speed so that you can see where aircraft are and air traffic controllers can ensure they don't crash because aircraft go so fast now imagine that we have packets flowing around with bad packets in there and they're going faster but we share those via email and we have to hunt them down that is just dumb but that's the way we do it because that's the way we've always done it. And when you think about it, wouldn't it be good to have this shared at network speed so that the guys who can do something about it and the guys both on the DHS helping build mm -hmm. back and DOD helping to stop it actually had the information they needed to do their job. That's where we got to get to. One of the issues with this has always been congressional reluctance. So. Do you think, what do you think will take to get over that, a crisis? Well, Just this is, you know, it's interesting. Congressmen, senators on both sides mm -hmm. have told me, well, you've laid this out, we just need to act. And they do, they need to act. Mm -hmm. And part of that act would be, we can do this and protect civil liberties and privacy better. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about sharing information about the contents of communications. We're talking about sharing threat-related information to defend the nation. Everybody should be on board with that. You'll have a couple of outliers, always, sure. that say, you know, I'm sure they're reading our emails and listening to our phone calls. Mm -hmm. But you can set this up so that the courts and everybody else know that's not true, just like we did with the president's programs. Mm -hmm. Because people are, you know, you get these things and you prove to them that that's not true, they still ask that question, are you reading my email? No, we're not reading your email. <laughs> are you listening to my No, we're not. And so I think we've got to get to that point. But at the end of the day, our nation needs us. Imagine this, for 240 some years, we've been protected by oceans around us. Nobody's mm -hmm. gonna attack us. And we have terrorism, okay, 9-11. And we have cyber. Those are the two things that can cross that border without, with impunity. Mm -hmm. And we aren't ready for the cyber portion of it. And somebody who wants to do us harm can do it there. We misunderstand how bad that can be. We don't realize it. And until that happens, then they say, yeah. well, shoot, I just didn't know. How many times do we have to tell you this could be bad? And, and then people say, well, you're crying wolf. I'm saying, mm -hmm. no, I've been wolf enough to know, throw red meat to these guys. Well, you want to take down something bad, we can do it. They want to take down something, they can do it too. And we're not ready. We're not ready as a nation. We need to fix that. Where do you think uh, you would change things if you were looking now at Cyber Command? What would you do a little differently? Or what do we need to build up more? They seem to have done okay with the uh, mission teams. 
I think they're doing great, actually. I think the things that I struggled with, mm -hmm. we couldn't get rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. And so what you had to do is you say, so when the nation's attacked, I would do this. And they said, you know, Defense Department, White House said, well, we'd back you up. And I said, well, let's make that a rule of engagement. Oh, we can't do that. And I said, so what you want me to do is you want me to take action. And then afterwards, you'll judge and say whether it was good or not and hold me accountable. I said, that's broke. Yeah. Step up. Yeah. And now, actually, uh, the administration has done that with rules of engagement. This administration. This administration. And I think that's the right thing. Now, I yeah. don't know what all those are. I haven't sure, read them. Sure. Yeah. But I think stepping up and saying, we want to defend the country in cyberspace. The current commander of uh, Cyber Command and director of NSA, Paul Nakasone, is absolutely amazing. He was your uh, military assistant? He, he was. was. your deputy? He worked for me assistant. for probably uh -huh. a number of years. He was a battalion commander under me, brigade commander yeah. under me. He ran the National Mission Force. Yeah. He stood it up. Uh, and our intent was to make that like JSOC, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Stand up a national mission force that could defend the country mm -hmm. in this area. He, he led that. He's the, he's the right guy. He's amazing. He did JTF uh, RAs too. Yeah. The anti-ISIS thing. Yeah. And he, was, he deployed with Millie and others in yeah. Iraq. So he's the right guy. He's uh -huh. really good. Uh, and I think that will help. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you, the word I get from all the folks at NSA, they love him. Now, having said that, what we now need to do is say, okay, how do we set this right? We need to have this uh, war game and capability between critical infrastructure, energy, finance, healthcare, defense industrial base, and government, and practice what we just talked about. This is a national level responsibility, and we gotta get on with it. And you know, when you add to it 5G and other things that are coming along, yeah. they only add to the issue. They don't solve it, they add to it. You're going to get greater speed, more capability, more vulnerability. So get out in front of this now. That's what I think. Public-private partnerships, what should we be doing? And then also, how are the services doing at integrating this into other, other the portfolio of military responses? So first, public-private partnership. So I think the public-private partnership goes back to the common defense. Mm -hmm. What industry needs to do is create the capability to share real-time information with the government. I'm you wouldn't have that be a government function? I would have them develop it, uh -huh. and I'd have them pay for their own piece of it, and then I'd have government uh, work them with them to do yeah. it. I think where government may pay some is in the defense industrial base mm -hmm. for the national secret part. Sure. But energy, my experience, the energy company, finance, healthcare, they all want to do this. Uh, they'll do their part, but they need the government to step in and, and say, okay, I got mm -hmm. your back. If you're being attacked by a nation state or a criminal yeah. that acts like a nation state, we're going to solve this. You can't say that, you know, if a, if a Soviet or a Russian division comes through Canada and comes in, we're going to say to the New York State police, that's yours. <laughs> All right? And tell 10th Mountain to stay out because there's no, there's no military in the path they're coming down. Mm -hmm. We're going to let them handle it. Uh, <laughs> that ain't going to happen. And when a nation state attacks us in cyber, it's our government that has to come in. That's my view. Uh, I think we have to solve that, and it's, it's responsibility of both parts. And you know what? I think industry's leaning forward on this. Mm -hmm. I think you've hit on one. How do we get Congress to lean forward and incentivize that? That's yeah. another part that we should do. I think the CISA Act of 2015 was a good step, mm -hmm. but we ought to incentivize this mm -hmm. program. I think that, that's the way forward. I think the administration should continuously look at roles and responsibilities. You know that we had something called the Enduring Security Framework. I think it's back. 
SPAC. Now I would expand one, an enduring security framework on cyber, mm -hmm. where you bring in critical key infrastructure guys and their CISOs, clear them for events, tell them the real threat. Because what they get is a fraction. It's a fraction. You know what, I, I get all these people to say, oh, you know, we're really good. Yeah, everybody's good, I got that. But wouldn't you like to know the real threat and get it classified and get, it? you know, that's what the ESF CEOs mm -hmm. kept coming for. I asked some of them, I said, so, you know, I know you're busy, why do you keep coming to these? They said, the threat brief and the solutions you guys are putting on the table have saved our companies. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. these are big companies. And they said, you know, if one of these had hit, we'd be, we'd have been uh, bankrupt. I'm waiting to see what happens as the realization that you get cyber insurance, you do risk the way you would normally do as a company. And then when something happens, the insurance company says, sorry, act of war, not covered. That's gonna change people's minds. I think step one, wouldn't it be good to have a defensive program that you knew you had a 99.9% .9 chance of defending your network, period. And it wasn't just you, it was layered defense. So if you think about every company out there right mm -hmm. now, they have data but they only share signatures mm, yeah. because they know those. So the hard part is behaviors, but those are really hard because so many false positives. We gotta fix that, that industry's gotta go work that. But if you could share that, now you have a way of having everybody's visible attacks going on that they didn't know about that they needed to share. Mm -hmm. You see, by the time somebody knows to share, well, they've already been attacked and exploited. That's too late. So we have to change that paradigm. And that's a really tough, tough problem. I've been on that for, you know, in a while. In government, we couldn't solve it and we thought yeah. it was broke. And then mm -hmm. we came up with an idea that we thought would solve it. Just to be honest, it didn't. But we've marched down that road and we think we have a path forward. If everybody worked together, we could get there. And some of the solutions that people have aren't aren't the solution. It's like I've got radars, but what I want is everybody to get phones because mm -hmm. we can call each other and tell you where the airplanes are. How comfortable would you be around flying around New York City knowing that the radar operators are telling the FAA controllers where your plane is by telephone and by laying this out mechanically? Wouldn't a picture be good so that the mm -hmm. air traffic controller could see right where that airplane is? Yes. Mm -hmm. We should be doing the same in cyber. And we've got to get to that level. And is that a journey? Yes. Will that make this much more defensible? Absolutely. And it's something we can work with our allies. And this is an area where we lose more than we gain. Our country is losing its intellectual property. Mm -hmm. That's our future wealth. Yeah. We're getting hosed here. Yeah. We, need, we, we lose trillions in this area and we're spending billions. Uh, you know, a giant corporation, if we run like a giant corporation, we say, holy cheddar, we gotta fix this right now. We're losing yeah. and we are. You know, I think about all this intellectual, well, this is the fight on Huawei, right? Yeah. They stole intellectual property, built this thing up, and now they're gonna run the world with it. And we're-, we're They're like, still stealing intellectual property. They're it's still amazing. stealing. And, it's, and we haven't changed our defense yet. Yeah. And so we complain about them stealing it, but it's like leaving your money on mm -hmm. a park bench in New York City at night with a little sign saying, please don't steal, it's just a million dollars, I'll be back in the morning. You come back in the morning, your money's gone. And your first assessment is, New York City people can't read. I had a sign there, please don't <laughs> steal my money. 
And the actual is we're leaving our intellectual property out for people to steal, and they're doing it. Last question, I was at a war game recently where it was US versus China, it was a DOD war game, and they had a list of options for responses, and it was, you know, like uh, cruise missile, PGM, zero day. And it's like you're gonna launch a zero day, you know, it didn't strike me that the depth of understanding of how this works had perhaps reached this was at the 06 level, so let's be fair. Where do you think the services are in thinking about cyber as an offensive capability? Well, it's something that they have to practice. Yeah. Um, rehearse. I, I, you know, I was fortunate to be in the Army in the 70s to see how bad it could be, mm -hmm. to see how the Army trained itself in the 80s to get the Army that we took to Desert Storm in 90. Mm -hmm. And it was all about training and preparation and training and education and mm -hmm. people and leadership and all that. And but not, they, a, not equipment. It was more about training and, and it, we got great equipment. Yeah. You know, the M1, it could shoot 3,000 meters. Yeah. The T62, 1,700 meters. Which one do you want? Yeah. Just thinking. And a tank battle at 3,000 meters, you want the one that can shoot that far yeah. accurately. Um, in cyber, you want to have the same thing. But you also want the people who can train, operate, plan, and conduct armored mm -hmm. warfare to take advantage of those. And the same thing in now in cyber. How yeah. do we do that? And so that takes training and practice. I believe we have the best technology. We actually have the best people. We're just not wired together. And we gotta fix that. And that's where something or CSIS and, and folks like us can help. Now, being candid, I'm, I'm in a company, I'm pushing that. I'm pushing that because mm. we have in our thing, the mission continues. Uh, my mission was we need to solve this cyber issue. It's, it's gonna be hard. And yeah, we're gonna have, it's, you know, think about the Louisiana maneuvers. Mm -hmm. Armored warfare, read about it. 1940. 1940, down in trying to figure out how tank warfare should work. Mm -hmm. And they went through this. And many people wanted to keep the cavalry. Yeah, I was going to say, horses were still present. That's right. And so when you think about that, we want to take the lessons learned from 1940 to 1990 and mm -hmm. condense it down to two years mm -hmm. and figure out how to operate in cyberspace. And we need to be faster than anybody else. I believe. We have the technical advantage, I think we have the training advantage, hampered by our ability to work together. Mm. This is a bipartisan issue. We should come together as, for the mm. good of the nation and solve this. Our economy depends on it, and we're still not doing it. We're, we're getting hammered. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for listening to Cyber From The Start. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. See you on the next episode of Cyber from the Start.